You are listening to a National Gallery of Victoria audio program available at www.ngv.vic.gov.au. In this episode, Philip Brophy discusses the legacy of Tezuka Osamu. In the mid-90s, uh, Manga Collective produced um, uh, Utena, a revolutionary fie Utena. It's a bit of French there, and uh, but with the name Utena, uh, which was like a neo-shoujo manga, meaning that it was in the style and uh, tradition of girls' manga. Now, girls' manga, um, shoujo manga, uh, really was almost created by Tezuka with the work um, uh, Princess Knight from the uh, the fifties, and uh, this was like the first time that a story had been completely aimed solely at young girls. Right, there was no consideration of any you know boy action happening in this. Right, through that particular story, uh, Tezuka developed a number of stylistic techniques that then became part of the language of shoujo girls manga, the dazzling eyes, the kind of the swirling disembodied absence of frames, right, where pages were just like images floating around. Uh, and you know, a number of other artists were doing this kind of at the same time, right, but uh, Princess Knight encapsulated all these ideas and themes and techniques into this kind of one mega work that was like the ultimate hyper girls manga and uh, then became incredibly successful and then influenced many other kind of um, stories uh, in the same vein. And uh, it was very clear to a number of you know manga critics and, and also the manga readership that when Utena came out that it was completely in this tradition, right? And so it was almost like, you know, another hysterical version of the already hysterical version of girls' manga that Tezuka had defined with something like Princess Knight, okay? And the anime uh, series, the TV series, and then also the feature film that came out of uh, Utena uh, is, it's like it's almost 10 years old now, uh, but uh, stands as you know one of the the most incredibly confounding gender depictions in uh, manga or anime that I've ever seen, and that's an example of something new that's happening. And in fact, it's not the um, mid nineties. The it was the late nineties when the comic came out, but then the movie comes out. I think in you know like the the 2002 thereabouts somewhere there um and uh uh when you're watching these works right which come from anime uh sorry when you're watching these works that come from a manga which is acknowledging a manga type or style that's 40 years old right uh you get this sense that something that Tezuka was doing even back then can still be regarded as the seed for growing these new and strange plants of manga and anime. And as wild as Utena is, right, and as completely modern and contemporary and 
you know, uh, a reflection of Japanese otaku culture that it is, it still has incredibly strong connections to key works by Tezuka. Even something like Neon Genesis Evangelion, right, which, you know, in the, um, the late 90s was regarded as a completely new move or, or phase of anime, right? This kind of like um, accent on existential states of children uh, rather than just straightforward heroics. You had these children that were like questioning, why am I doing this? I have no idea why I'm in this situation, right? And uh, in many respects, that's the exact same kind of level of consciousness and existential query that Astro Boy went through. And Shinji in Neon Genesis Evangelion is not dissimilar from Astro Boy. Both are completely divorced and dislocated from their social surroundings. In the case of Astro Boy, he's a machine, he's a robot, he's not human. In the case of Shinji, he's one of the gifted children that can psychologically and neurologically operate these monstrous angels that have been invented for the good of science to kind of control the world and you know enable Japan to be a, a, a military and economic force. But there's an X factor in Shinji's mind that not only allows him to do this, but simultaneously separates him from everyone else. All the other scientists, all the other people around him are continually talking about, you know, how Shinji is really not one of us, right? And that's how people regard robots in Tezuka's stories in the 50s. You know, like, this robot is my best friend, but he really isn't a human, is he? Right? And that's kind of also a certain level of sadness that's induced by robots like Astro Boy, like, who are my real friends? Shinji's pondering the same thing. Who are my friends? Who is it that I've got to talk to? Right? Which is why it's such an angst-ridden story. And also why it's synchronized with a otaku generation in the late 90s who are similarly thinking the same thing. You know, it's like, well, you know, I'm young, hip and cool and I've got all these gadgets, but, you know, who are my friends? Right? So uh, uh, not that many Japanese people would say, oh, yeah, Shinji's Astro Boy. We can see that, right? But from an outsider's perspective, one can see this lineage, this kind of cultural heritage being carried on. And Tezuka, I think, is very important in infusing his mass media entertainment with these heightened levels of consciousness. Tezuka's characters are always querying, who am I? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? So you don't get that in a lot of entertainment fare, you know, like the hero simply is moved by action and pursuits and ideals, right? But Tezuka's heroes, if we can call them that, are always saying, but why must I do this, right? So it's a completely different form of action. In fact, it's a form of inaction. It's a form of inertia, right? And those sentimentalities, those uh, sensibilities those ways of reacting to the world are very current in contemporary manga and anime, right? Where there's a lot of doubt, there's a lot of introspection, even in the most straightforward forms of uh, mass media entertainment in Japan. 
So the connection between the current state of manga and anime and what Tezuka is doing, I think, is very, very strong because Tezuka was the first one to add this philosophical dimension, this kind of querying of the self into manga. And ever since, manga has retained that self-awareness and in different stages has more sharply become focused on that sense of, you know, what is it? What am I doing? Why am I here? And if anything, um, the otaku culture, even though it's frowned upon as being uh, this kind of withdrawn, solipsistic, uh, asocial faction of the populace in Japan, uh, another way of reading that sociologically is that uh, these are people that are withdrawing because they are in quite intense states of pondering and uh, self-analysis. So in that sense, uh, Tezuka's legacy, I think, is as relevant now as what it ever was.